Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. It's a bit of a warning sign. It's a, it's a precautionary measure, but the way that I do it, I don't get out if something closes below the previous day's low just anywhere. It has to go up a certain amount. It has to go up 1.5 ATRs before I go into trailing stop mode. Mm. And then as soon as I get into trailing stop mode, then if, it cl if I get a close below the previous day's low, I sell half. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. So yeah, I've been reading um, Minervini's books again because uh, yeah. I'm going to talk to him in two weeks again. Oh, great. Dude, I got to tell you, I'm so, there are so many times where I'm blessed to say, you know, that I can chat with people like him and you and Steve You've and had stuff. Some great guests. But, um, you know, he's a market wizard, you know, featured in the yeah. original market. So I'm, I'm listening to all the market or. I, I'm I've actually listened to them in reverse order, actually. Uh, so I'm on the final Market Wizards book right now, rereading uh, Minervini's two trading books and then his like self-help book right now getting ready. Um, but yeah, the. Uh, uh, the thing that that I picked up on while rereading his books was how important volume was, because that's one of his big major indicators is, hey, this is when, you know, institutions are buying and everything right. else is you're basing. And then you get a giant volume spike and a giant price spike. And yeah, we're seeing the price without the volume, which is interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Minervini is talking about kind of a big explosion bar that, uh, you know, lets you know something has changed. You know, if, yeah. you, if you go from underneath one moving average to a, a back over it, on strong volume, something has changed. And it's just those things that, or if you break out, you know, from a flat top or if you break out over range on high volume, something has changed. But without the volume, without the volume, it's suspicious. Is that something you look at whenever you're trading at all? Like, is that a key metric to you? It's, it's an add-on. I mean, you know, I mainly look at my setups, but if I'm looking at two or three different setups that have the same type of pattern, I'm going to go with the one, I'm going to narrow it down to the one that has the most, you know, usually has the most volume. I mean, volume is important to me. It's not my number one factor, mm -hmm. but it is important to me because it means people are casting their votes yeah. that they're getting in this stock. Yeah. And you know what I'm looking, I'm not looking at like, monster volume like Minervini's talking about. I'm just looking at like right on trends, right? Um, but 
all I'm looking for it is to be like above average volume, like above the 50 day moving volume average. I don't need like a, you know, biggest volume of the year type situation. No, no, I agree. I mean, I, I look at like one and a half times average volume. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking yeah. of one and a half times things, that was something you talked to me on the last podcast. It didn't really sink in until I was um, taking your course. And then I started learning more about the ATRs and things. And I was like, oh, I got to integrate this in my trading plan. And then I uh, was reading in Covell's trend following. So Greg, one of my one of my uh, goals for this year is to read 100 books. And I am on track. I'm killing it this year. Nice. Um, so I read trend following 2004 version. And then only to find out that like that was the first edition. Now there's a fifth edition that came out in 2016. And so I reread it again. And uh, so I've read that twice this year. But but I picked up on the fact that that was one of the turtles, one of the, the things that they um, really re like that was a major part of their trading plan was the ATRs and things. And that was what you taught in your course and what you'd spoken on last time we uh, we talked. And I didn't really grasp the significance of that until later on. I mean, it's important for a couple reasons. I mean, one, you know, ATR, the, the, the ranges of the ATR help me figure out what the volatility of the market is mm -hmm. and therefore helps me position size correctly, right? If the market volatility is a one, that's fine. But if you're trading a hundred shares at a one volatility, fine. If the, if the volatility goes up to three and you're still trading that hundred shares, it's like you're trading 300 shares. So it's important that you, I use ATR to help me. I use a two ATR divided into my maximum allowed loss and it accounts for volatility. It accounts for the ranges in the last 20, 20 days and it helps me account uh, for volatility so that I, I buy the right position size so I can standardize my maximum allowed loss, whether the market's volatile, volatile or whether it's not. But the other way that I use it is, you know, anything within one ATR is just noise. It's mm -hmm. one standard deviation. It's it's the expected move of a stock on any given day within, within one ATR. Uh, but like, as you know, if you watch that, you know, I start putting a trailing stop level in at 1.5 ATRs because if it, if it, it, if it can move further than noise, then it's a good, there's a good chance that it could start to trend. And then it, it can, if it goes up 1.5 ATRs, it can come down another one ATR. That's fine. Cause that's just expected. But if you move more than one, significantly more than one ATR, you should not come back down. Right. And if it does come back down, that's a red flag for me and I get out of the stock. So ATRs are hugely important to, to position size. I never take, I never take uh, uh, long positions up against a bar that's larger than one ATR because in order to go down more than one ATR, there has to be significant amount of selling. And if, there, if you've just had significant amount of selling, it's very unlikely that you're going to go right back up because there was something that prompted that significant, that one, more than one ATR worth of selling. So the chances are less that it can just go right back up. So that's always a big red flag for me too, or down bars that are larger than one ATR. Yeah. And you know, that was, um, that was kind of a light, light bulb moment for me as far as the volatility. And that was like, you, you really preached extensively on that the last time you were on. 
And I just didn't, it didn't click until I started doing the math myself and seeing that like if the stock is, let's say it's a $100 stock and the ATR on one of them is two and the ATR on the other one is four, the one that has four has twice as much volatility risk and you <laughs> should have half the size. That's uh, that exactly did not right. click with me until, until taking your course on there. So thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I mean, I hear people, I know traders that just, yeah, I always buy 300 shares of something. I'm like, what? Well, you're, you buy 300 shares of something regardless of what the volatility of, of the market is? I mean, yeah. it, it's, you know, my whole thing, my whole goal is to standardize my maximum allowed loss. I don't care if the market's going huge up and down. If it is, I'm going to buy fewer shares or if it's just barely moving, I'll buy more, uh, more shares, but I always just, I, I just standardize everything. I, I don't want to, you know, let's just say my maximum loud loss on a trade is $5,000. Uh, if the market has huge volatility, I'll buy a lot fewer shares and, and the, the large range might get me to that $5,000 loss. And, you know, if it's, uh, if the market is, not moving much, then I'll buy a lot more shares and a smaller move will get me to the five cents. So it's just about standardizing to whatever the volatility of the day is or of the market is and using those AT. I use those ATR channels for so many different, for so many yeah. different things. I'll tell you, they, uh, not only did it like help me position size better, but there were times where I was taking twice the size than I would have normally before that because the volatility I didn't even think about the volatility would just be like, Hey, you know what? You can put on two or three times the size because the volatility in this is so much lower than in something else. Who would have I, thought? I just did that on, I just did that on gold. Yeah. I, I, I looked at the dollar amount of the gold I was buying. I was like, Ooh, that seems a lot and a lot. And I double checked. <laughs> I was like, no, that's right. I mean, based upon the volatility of the last 20 mm -hmm. days, it, it is right. Yeah. You know, um, what is your course called? That way when uh, people go out to Udemy, they can find it. Uh, it's called the um, Deep Dip Buy Stock Trading Strategy. Gotcha. Yeah, that um, Greg was uh, you know, very gracious and allowed me to, to have a, a preview of it. And so I went through the entire thing, taking notes the entire way, and really, really um, fantastic strategy. Uh, let me ask you, what, there was something. Uh, how often, so you're day trading now. How often are you taking this? Because it's down at like the 200 or 250. Like, is this a frequent um, occurrence for you to trade this or is this infrequent? It's frequent. Um, it's very frequent. I mean, I do day trade all day long in addition to my swing tradings, uh, swing trading. And, um, you know, if I can't, if I can't find a deep dip buy on a half hour bar, I'll find one on the five minute. I mean, I will, I, I can find a deep dip buy almost any day. Although today I don't think I took a deep dip buy today. No, I didn't take a deep dip die today. But of course, over the last month, there's been tons of deep dip buys. And some of my students, <clears throat> we have a, a little group on Skype and I've seen them start to take the under over uh, deep dip buys or the confluences with the under over 30, under over 200 or 250. And they're excited because, you know, they're seeing that it works more often than it, than it doesn't. But I, you know, if I'm desperate, I can go to a one minute bar and look for a deep dip buy if I, if well, I that, want. To. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Like, because, you know, you are working on smaller time frames. the opportunity to come to a 250 or a 200 moving average would happen a lot more. 
than on a daily time frame. So that's why I was wondering if it was uh, a lot more frequent trading in that regard. Yeah, with day trading, I, I almost every day I'll find a deep dip buy on something. Mm. So one thing that I learned in there was now to me, when I look at a trend, right, just total, you know, basic trend following principles, which it's so fun to talk to like people like you and Steve. And uh, I really want to get Covell on the podcast. Um, and then uh, or Tom Basso, you know, some of his and um, um, Jerry Parker, some of the turtles like that. That's where I'm at now. I've, I've got one of my assistants and I'm like, go get these people hound them. <laughs> I want them on the show. But I love the idea of the simple trend following of basically, you know, if if the tide is going out, you're going to walk with it. And when the tide's coming back in, you're going to follow it back in. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. It's when the price is going up, you're going to go long behind it. When the price comes back down, you get out. Super simple and clean. And I love that. And that was something Steve really tried to instill into me early on. And I'm glad he did. Because really, uh, you know, I, I told him one time that the, the longer I trade, the simpler my trading gets. Because it really, at the yeah. end of the day, is just finding the trend and getting behind the trend and, and, and going with it. But one thing that caught me in your, your deep dip by course was um, you were talking about if today's close or that candle's close is below the low mm -hmm. of the prior close. Mm -hmm. That would be a maybe a, a cut position size or an exit position size. And I really like that because if you think about it, right, a trend is higher highs and higher lows. At no point in like a solid trend should the close ever be lower than yesterday's low, right? I mean, instead of it going this direction, it's now going this direction. So because of that, that had chopped me up a little bit more. After, you know, we talked about earlier because I've been running into a lot of that where it's like, you know, the trend's going up, the next day's close is below the prior day's low, and I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and get out, play it safe. Um, what do you think about that? How do you how do you use that metric of closing when it's below the prior day's low for you? So just in basic terms, if something is moving up, if you look at it a month later and it's all the way down here, if it went here and now it's all the way back down, yeah. almost all the time, certainly you had to have a close below the previous day's low before that would happen. If, if nothing ever closed below the previous day's low, it would just keep going up, 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 right? Right. So it's a bit of a warning sign. It's a, it's a precautionary measure, but the way that I do it, I don't get out if something closes below the previous day's low just anywhere. It has to go up a certain amount. It has to go up 1.5 ATRs before I go into trailing stop mode. Mm. And then as soon as I get into trailing stop mode, then if, it, if I get a close below the previous day's low, I sell half. Not the full position, but I sell half because it is a bit of a, of a precautionary measure. Um, it's a bit of a red flag. It doesn't mean it has to just all go all the way down, but you know, as a trader, I'm always trying to mitigate risk. I'm always trying to not give back a lot of my profits. So if it moves 1.5 ATRs from my entry after that, if I do get a close below the previous day's low, I sell half precautionarily, but I keep the other half in case it's just a, a quick dip, quick dip down and then heads back up. I mean, lately yeah. I've been trading, you know, I, I, I've had great trades in like Berkshire Hathaway 
and uh, MasterCard and Netflix. And it's it moved up nicely from my trade, got to my trailing stop level. A couple of them did close below halfway. Uh, I sold it, no problem. And then it reversed and kept going right back up, which I'm still happy. I mean, you know, that... I teach this a lot to my students and in my podcast, but I'm a huge believer in selling half when something goes wrong because yeah. it's, it's one of the few things in the markets where it's a win-win because if, if it goes up and you, and it, the price gets weak and you sell half and then it collapses down, you're glad that you sold half. If you sell half, it goes rocketing back up you're glad that you still have half. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mark Minervini literally wrote in his second book, Think and Trade Like a Champion, nearly that exact paragraph. Which I've you never just read said. that book. So it's I, almost so like I, I you were just that. quoting it because he, oh. he, said, he said it's the best of both worlds because it's like, yes. you know, if, uh, if it goes up, you, um, you don't feel so bad because you only sold half. And if it goes down, you don't feel so bad because, you know, you only sold half. And he's like... If you if it's like a third or a quarter or whatever, you'd be like, oh, I should have kept more or, or I should have done less. But when it's half, you know, it works in both directions. And so that's that's really funny. You say literally exactly that. We need to get Jack Schweiger on the book. phone, have him call you, get you on the next Market Wizards book. <laughs> well, I'm glad to I'm glad to know that I was, you know, in the same mindset as Mark Minervini because I, I had not read that book. I did not know that. But. I love selling half. Whenever says Greg, I'm not sure what to do here. I just like sell half, sell half. But what a bit the sell half it mm -hmm. is the simplest solution. And you know, when I day trade, my day trading is uses selling half all the time. Like uh, that's a major part. Whenever I enter a trade, if I if I ever have in the next two or three bars or whatever a nice big huge move up. I mean, not huge, but like I'm like. Uh, kind of the litmus test is if I go, oh, nice. And I say, oh, nice. Yeah. Then I know that I sell half. Mm. And I immediately, I do it into strength, right at the end of the bar. I sell half. I don't care. I just sell it when I go, oh, that's a nice little gain or that's a nice little bar. I sell half. And then it takes a lot of the pressure of the trade off. It lets me keep that second half for maybe even a big longer run. And it just makes it so much more emotionally easy to trade. So I sell half and then I'll say another half of a half, you know, and I just, I just keep whittling down, but I love selling half. You know, there's something, um, what do they say? It's like, uh, you know, you got to model the success of, uh, of successful people. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I love having the podcast on and, and picking the brains of all these different people. Um, so have you have you talked to Steve lately? I, I reached out to Steve to see if I can get him back on the show. And he's like, I'm not doing interviews anymore. And I'm like, oh, no, did like COVID hit you or something? And he's like, no, I just don't want to do it anymore. So it's been a while since I talked to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I talk to him every day. Oh, you do? Uh, well, on the podcast. Oh, oh. Because yeah. he tunes in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tunes in and he contributes a lot to it and, and uh, you know, points out which trades he's going to take and things like that. And then we chat sometimes just privately um, uh, on Twitter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it's been a while since I've had a chance to, to chat with him. I hope he's doing good. Yeah, yeah. His father just passed away a few days ago. Oh, yikes. I'll send him a message then. Yeah. So what else is new in your world, Greg? Well, I am just been trading a lot. 
I've been trading a lot. I've been teaching a lot. So it's trading, 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 hot stock talk all day long. Uh, but it's good. I mean, you know, when you teach trading and you teach all these intricate, you know, rules, it's good for the teacher as well, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I had some New Year's resolu- trading news resolutions and they were to be even more picky with my setups and in particular, uh, really picky with my risk to reward ratios. And so I really focused on my risk to reward ratios before taking any trade. And if, if, if it's just not a good one, I just don't take it. And it's been great. I mean, I've had a really great trading year. Um, I've had, I mean, last month was a, tr- a record of mine as far as day trading, uh, but it was volatile months. So just teaching, just trading, um, um, how do you, <laughs> well, I was going to ask, how do you quantify your risk to reward before you enter a trade? Cause I mean, nobody knows where the price is going to go, but of course yeah. you know how much risk you'll take. How do you quantify that? Well, you know, I have to look at the chart and I, I mean, of course, yes, you're right. You never know. But, you know, if I buy something over the 200 day moving average and it barely closes over above the 200 day moving average, I go, okay, my theoretical loss is because I would get out with the close underneath. My theoretical loss is about, you know, this much. Then I have to look at the chart. I have to look at major, you know, major ranges above me, uh, RSI levels. Uh, um, moving averages above me, ATR channels, and I have to look at them and I just have to make my best guess and say, all right, my risk is this. From a probability standpoint, I can see it going up. You know, if, if the risk is $1 to the downside, I have to see some clear air between my entry point and where the next level of major resistance is going to be, whether it's RSI level or whether it's a moving average or an ATR channel. So I I just have to look at it in context and think, all right, I'm not running into a lot of resistance until here. Does that make a good risk to reward ratio based upon where my stop is? That makes sense. Can I show you something? Yeah. Yeah. Can I show you something I found the other day? Yes. So here, I'm going to share my screen. You should be able, do you see a chart, UPS chart? Yeah. Check this out. So this is TrendSpider. Yeah. You know TrendSpider. Yes. Um, so my entry in UPS was at 173, the okay. green line, on April 6th. And today it's up to nearly 176. But what's cool is, do you see this blue cloud? Yes. And then this dark blue line that kind of runs off on its own? Yes. So that's the back-tested trend line, um, the 10-day exponential moving average, that's been forecasted out into the future. So it's taking the average results from the past and putting them on the future point. So it crossed on this bar, and so the average return just goes like nuts. When you use, uh, this one was the 10-day in particular. Like this is the actual like historical average for this many candles going forward. And um, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, projecting future like risk to reward Mm -hmm. for me, whenever I'm entering a trade now, I want to make sure that that hits at least two ATRs above where I'm getting in. And then um, these lines here is one ATR and two ATR from where I'm getting in. And if it goes up and above that, I think that's a great trade setup and I'm interested in in going into it. So this is something I found to be super, super useful. And uh, just thought I'd share with you. It's really cool. I mean. 
that is great. I, there's so many different ways, but I mean, you, you, all you can do is use your best guesstimate, whether it's something like you just showed me or whether you're looking at major moving averages, like, you know, the, like the 50 is always something above that yeah. I'm concerned about, or, you know, the, the 200 or the 50 oh, RSI. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm not putting in any extra criteria. My criteria for this is just above or below the 10 day. And so it's taking this price explorer basically for the number of candles and just overlaying it on the chart. And that's where um, it shows, you know, in theory, the average should show a greater than two ATR move. And so I'm like, that's kind of cool. I like that. A lot of different ways to do it. The, the, yeah. the, the key component, though, is just whatever people do to the upside, I really don't care. But what I do care about is how fast they get out when they're wrong. Yes. Yes. I Really, that's the key. Who, I, there was a market wizard who said it. Or maybe it was on Covell's podcast. I can't remember. But the guy was like, it doesn't matter where you get on um, up the elevator, but you have to know where you're going to get off, right? So it doesn't matter if the trend is up. You can get on the trend anywhere up. You just got to know if the trend reverses where your exit point will be. And I kind of like that because, I mean, you don't have to get in right as it crosses that trend line. It would be fantastic, but you could also let it run for five days and then find it. And say, hey, this is doing good, and I'm going to get on today and see how it goes. Yeah, it's it's just all about having it's all about having a plan. I think most traders don't have a complete plan. I mean, Doctor Elder says, you know, we have no idea where the, what the market's going to do, and we don't. No one has an idea with, but we have to know exactly what we're what gonna we're going to do. And um, I see a lot of. Actually, today I talked about that. I was quoting one of Steve's Twitter posts, uh, you know, when there were 10 components to what a real trade plan is. And most people just think, hey, where do I buy and where, where do I sell? But it's so much bigger than that. It's where do I buy? Where do I sell? Where do I go in a trailing stop mode? If When I do, how much do I sell? Do I take partial profits on the way up? Am I position sizing correctly? Do I have an emergency stop? Do I had a, Do I have an end of day stop? Um, but I mean, it's a nice, comfortable, holistic feeling to be able to have a complete trade plan because you, you know what your maximum allowed loss is going to be most of the time, unless you have, you know, some huge, big overnight gap, but you can never really defend against that. Um, trading is not that hard. Uh, what is hard is sticking to the rules. Yeah. Man, I, I wish I, I hear all these quotes, especially when I'm reading these books. I just can't attribute them to the right person. But they were saying something like trading isn't that hard, like you're talking about, right? It's just buying and selling, having your plan. The hard part is, you know, following your plan. <laughs> you know, you're taking the emotionality out of it. What I have found is the right position size yeah. makes a humongous difference. And 100%. Yeah, because I mean, if you're putting. You're putting all of Greg's account in one trade. <laughs> I mean, you're going to lose some sleep over that. No matter which you know direction it goes, you're going to be elated, and then you're going to be you know devastated. You know every every tick that goes by, and having the right position size will allow you to take the loss without thinking about it. Right? I mean, losses suck, but also a loss to me is like one percent of my account in a trade. Like I could I could quantify to you. You know, how much in my uh, account each loss I've taken 
on average would be. And it would be like maybe one to two and a half percent, it, somewhere in that range. And when I know that, I sleep real good at night, knowing that I'll still have, you know, between 99 and 97 and a half percent of my account after each trade that that goes wrong. It's huge. Well, trading is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so a lot of people treat it like a sprint. And if they use too large a position size, uh, it's great if it goes your way. It's demoralizing and very harmful if it goes against you. And I mean, you know, you only have, there's only two decisions you get to make in the market really before you get into a trade. When do I get in and how many shares do I get in with? Mm -hmm. And if you're not position sizing correctly, if you have too large of a position size, it's going to elevate your emotions because we're human. And those elevated emotions with the gain or the loss will get us out of our trade plan. Yeah. That's, that's it. Do you keep track of your all of your trades open and closed? Do you have like a trade journal? I do have a trade journal. It's but it's my podcast because I it's recorded every yeah. day. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm 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 a huge advocate of trade journals. Yeah. Um, and Minervini talks about it too because it's like you know it gives you the best lesson of all because you you can see what you did right, what you did wrong, and how that's changed over time. Um, yeah, I, I I could not live without my trade journal. Well, I probably could, but um, I couldn't trade successfully without it. Now, where I was going with that is, do you mark your account value with open positions or only on your closed positions? Because for me personally, uh, I keep my, in my journal, it's it's automated, uh, but it, it will take the end of day closed positions as my equity value. And I can plot that over time versus my my um, open trades, my open profits. Uh, and I I like that better because there was one day. So I in my trading, like in, in Tastyworks where I trade, I don't look at the balance at all. But there was one day a couple weeks ago where my account was up a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, I should tell my wife how well I'm doing today. And I'm like, mm, those are open profits. Anything can happen. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to tell her. And I'm glad I didn't because I got chewed up in the next couple of days after that. And yeah. <laughs> she would have been like, where's my $2,000 or whatever. <laughs> How do you do yeah. that? Do you keep track of your, your open equity balance or just close? You know, I am so old school, Chris. I've been doing this for 25 years. Everything I just mark here oh my goodness. every single day with all of my positions. And I graph my equity, but it's always just based upon the closing value of the account. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's what I do with 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 counting open positions as oh, well. Okay. Yeah, with counting open positions as well. But um, man, this has been some market. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, in my podcast, Greg, I'm I, sorry, I gotta I gotta tune in more. I see it in my feed, so I'm subscribed to your channel. And what's cool about YouTube, I don't know if you know this, but live videos get a higher priority than other videos, and so oh. I'll see your video at the top of my subscription feed for at least 24 hours after you finished. I mean, it'll oh, be at the great. top every time. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Well, you know, in the podcast, I mean, I, of course I put up, I have all my existing positions that I've had and I talk about, you know, every day I talk about when, when, when I bought them, why I bought them and then how I'm managing 
the position. And then if I take a new position at the end of the day, I'll put that one on there. But also, um, so there's a part of the podcast where my students, whether they're current or past, I allow them to put up their trades of the day. So we just call it the board. And uh, what I have found, and it's been eerily accurate, when the board, meaning the positions of my students, after a big sell-off, it will dramatically reduce mm-hmm. to six or seven. I think now there's like 50, 50, 50, po- 50 positions oh. that, my, that my students have in the aggregate combined between them. And I've noticed with real accuracy is whenever that board, whenever the positions of my students get so big, I know we're near a top. Mm. And when it shrinks to almost none, I know we're near a bottom. Yeah. Not scientific or anything, just something I've noticed over, you know, the last couple of years. But today I looked at those positions and I just thought, yeah, we're probably getting pretty close. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier about the volume and everything. I saw somebody posting online. They were like, this is the lowest volume day of the year. And I was like, that's super weird because we've been like on a monster rally. We're up to 411 on the spy right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you would think that a monster rally would have a lot of participation behind it. But when it doesn't, you know, that that concerns me, you know, like somebody that we're running out of buyers, Greg, if you want to think of it like that. Well, who's left to buy? You're right. Who's, who's left to buy? There's momentum traders. There are, you know, people, here's the thing, you know, Jesse Livermore says, Hey, when your shoeshine boy start starting to give you stock tips, it's time (laughs) to sell. Or when you hear people in the restaurant next to you talking about how much money they're making, it's a bad sign. And I'm seeing that all over. I have people that call me on a weekly basis. These are people I haven't spoke to in 15 years, 20 years, people from high school that are calling me say, Hey, Greg, uh, I know you're a stock trader and you, and, and you have a podcast and you know, I'm thinking about going all in right here. Uh, what do you think? And I'm like, don't do it. Uh, It's another indicator. The more non-professional traders that call me that ask me about is a good time to get in. They want to get in. The more I know that, man, I know we're close to a top because they're, they come at, they're coming out of the woodwork, you know? Mm-hmm. So just little omens, little, little, you know, things that you can read the tea leaves about. But if these are the last people in, then I don't know. I don't know who's going to buy after them because they're, they're the last of the last. So I think, you know, just from, just from a technical level, we are at levels right now, third ATR channel, uh, with 92% of prices fail there. We're getting, you know, very close to the 70 RSI level, um, a large percent of, of trades there. But I mean, both of them are coming together. Those two indicators are coming together. So I think we're very close to top. I could be wrong though. You know, I'll just trade my signals, but, uh, yeah, I'm just concerned where we're at right here. Yeah. I, I there's something I noticed there, there's a, uh, it's it's my own metric that I track, but essentially I take the relative. So the RSI is is a calculation you can actually do in Excel, right? Most people think that like everything on a chart is some sort of like magic and witchcraft, but literally you can like 
you can extract the data and get it. It's not a big deal. Sure. Um, I, what I do is I compare the relative strength of each of the sector ETFs, like XLK, XLI, XLY, things like that, to the SPY. And every single one of them has a lower relative strength than the SPY. So the average gain on the SPY, when I, I, when I was doing my analysis a couple of days ago, the average gain on the SPY was 2.2, like 2. It was a, uh, it was 220 times greater than the average loss. So if 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 a loss is one dollar, each gain was 2.2, right? Um, but every single one of the sectors was less than that, and my brain was like on fire because I'm like, how can the average of the market be greater than the components of the market? Like, the math did not make sense to me whatsoever, and I was. I was sitting in the bathroom actually, and my my brain was just spinning. Like, how is this possible? So yeah, that waiting. that made me think about it's, that. It's the waiting of certain stocks. That's how it's possible. Yeah, and there's like you know five stocks that make up the most of the uh, S and P move, right? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, that blew my mind when I when I stumbled across that little metric. But that's actually how I got into oil earlier in the year was oil was like outperforming the S&P by like 3x. It was like 300% the move that the, the spy was having. And I'm like, let me go check out all the oil stocks. And it was just like rocket ship. On you all. did well in oil, right? Yeah, it was really good. That's great. <laughs> Every night I was like, dang, this is good. <laughs> so, yeah, there's those times of the year where it is good. And then it goes back to being choppy. And then you have to... Be patient and it'd be great if, you know, the equity curve would just go up, 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 up. Be great. It'd be fantastic. But, you know, it goes up. It's just like the market. The market goes up, takes a breather, consolidates, either have a drawdown or consolidates, keeps moving up. It, you know, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, volatility in the market, we all know that if, if, if things are volatile in the market, then it will at some point go back to being not volatile. And, and then from volatility will non-volatility will come more volatility. It's the same in life. I mean, sometimes our lives are very steady and just nothing really changes. But the longer that happens, the more, you know, something's going to happen. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just like in stock trade, you know, you, large bars lead to small bars, small bars, lead to large bars. And, and that's why I'm a big fan of buying when bars are small, when there's consolidation before it's before it makes its move. And I have to be like a momentum type yeah. of trader. What do you think? So, so you are having your contrarian ideas going on right now. Yeah. Um, are you lightening up positions? Or are you just like getting ready to, cause to me, I'm, I am like 20% invested right now. Like I don't have a lot going on, like five positions maybe. Um, because I'm not seeing, especially, you know, talking about the volume, that being, a, a, a important piece to me, just above average volume, just not there on many of these setups. Like you go to Apple, you know, the big market movers right now, Apple, Microsoft, um, who else? A uh, Amazon, Amazon, Tesla, they don't have the volume right now. And so it's like, I'm not going to play when they're, you know, 25% of regular volume. So what are you doing right now? You're not positioning for short yet. Are you, or are you? So, you know, I like to take, I don't like to take more than one trade per day. I, I try oh, to, I try I to narrow that. down from all the watch lists and the scanners that I use to just the best particular 
entry of the day, the one that has the best confluence or combination of signals on multiple time frames, the one that has the best uh, risk to reward ratio. And then I have to keep in mind, you know, what other correlated positions do I have? Do I want to add another tech? I don't know. I already have. So, but, you know, I only take one trade per day. If they move my way, I stay in them. If they, you know, if, if they go down, I quickly get out. Um, but my positions have been adding a lot lately, but they're not full positions because, you know, maybe I have nine, 10 positions at the moment, but every day that they move up, you know, I always take partial profits. I always take a percentage of, um, my position off every day if it moves a certain amount. So yeah, maybe I have nine or 10 positions now, but you know, then I've hit trailing stop levels. I've sold half. Um, so as long as it keeps moving up, I will stick with it. I'll hold my nose, stick with it, sell into strength, just follow my rules. Um, so if I have nine, 10 positions, maybe I have like three or four actual positions, full, full positions. Um, but I have not been adding many positions lately because of the correlation that I talked to you about. Like, I'm like, okay, I already have tech stocks. I don't need to add another tech stock. Right. Mm. I mean, I added Boeing the other day. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't have anything in the aircraft world, but, um, it takes more and more for me to enter a position right now. I can talk myself out of it because I'm like, I already have tech. I already have this. Um, and I'm scaling out as we go up. So I, I, I'm using the strength to just scale out and I'm just waiting for a pullback before I can get serious about getting in, uh, yeah. to new, to new positions. I'm just managing the positions that I have right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you and I are, are in the same boat. I, I would not, I'm not a big shorter. Like I used to be, but I got burned a lot. And then seeing, you know, the, the face ripping rallies that can come, you know, when, when stocks yeah. are going down to me, that's not the uh the easy way <laughs> so i would rather just re reload and wait until things start turning around and, and eventually hopefully start start a new bull market how about you i short yeah i short i short i short while i'm day trading quite a lot if i have a, a serious position i mean i don't really look at shorting or buying really that uh, that much different uh, I just have a plan and I just follow it. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. I have been adding some put positions on the indexes up here at these levels. Um, just as a little bit of hedge, a little bit of insurance, you know, they're, what are we, they're about three months out. Of course, the Delta is, uh, you know, I mean, I buy at the money, so they're, you know, it's about a 50% Delta. So even if it goes way up, I only have to really incur about half of that loss because of the, you know, because of the Delta of the option. But, um, I'm starting to look at VIX here. Oh yeah. What on the you VIX know, has got you interested? I'm going to go look at it while you're talking about it. Yeah. Let me, um, let me, let me here, pull I'll, I'll screen share it. I got it up already. Beat you to it. Oh, um, here's a VIX right now. Let's see. I had, oh, here we go. I'll just read this to you. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you have as a price there? 1669. Okay. This is on Twitter. This is from, uh, ba -ba. 
This is from FX Hedge. I don't know if this is right. Supposedly, this is from Reuters. But yesterday, there was a $40 million uh, call option. $40 million, somebody bought $40 million worth of call options on the VIX. $40 strike price by July. Whoa, $40. That's, uh, that, that would be... <laughs> that would be oh my gosh you'd have to go back to the start of coronavirus to get something that high october yeah, like, was the last it's time like we got something up that high 133 percent move from Oof. where we are now so but yeah. 40 million bucks you know by july that's that's three months i mean there would have to be something real serious that would happen to move it that high but 40 right. million dollar uh all or nothing bet on that is is Pretty amazing. But I mean, <clears throat> the yes. VIX is super low. I mean, volatility, volatility is never going to go away in the stock market. It's always going to come. It's always going to go <clears throat> at these levels. I mean, look at that chart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can't so. do a side by side with the VIX and the SPY. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, it had been elevated for a long time in the 20s, right? Yeah. Longer than, than I had seen in trade. Yeah. With the elections status. and all that. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, you're right. Lately, it's been on free fall where the market has, uh, you know, done the melt up situation. But, you know, the it's been that way like three years in a row. Right. So we had I don't know what to quantify as melt up. But let's say like from from this low here, March 25th to now, we're up seven percent in two weeks. And then you look at. This is the beginning of last year before covid. Yep. And we had that situation where it was like up every day and then straight down. And yeah. then I think it was the year before that it was up every day and then straight down. Yeah. So yeah, I, maybe we're just due. <laughs> maybe it's that time of year. Well, it is. There's that old saying, what buy in. What do they say? Uh, sell in May and go away. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's the go away in May thing. You know yeah. what I mean? We're, we're coming into that and, I mean, you're, I mean, that's pretty melty, a 7% move in two weeks. On the market. That's not yeah. like a single stock. And yeah, then like, a, you know, we talked, about, we talked about, um, like Facebook was one of those uh, big movers, right? Facebook went up from this low down here, 24.6% in one month. That's quite a move. <clears throat> Yeah, I was fortunate enough to buy that deep dip there at the bottom. Oh, because it's at that two hundred. Yeah, yeah. I bought the I bought the deep dip there, and then we had the first uh, big move uh, up, and I bought that first dip after the five twenty crossover was still in place. So I had really good trades on on Facebook in the last in the last two months. Do you still have a position in Facebook? I don't. Okay. No. I, I sold it I sold it near that first top. Well, I mean, that just totally proves the point of your deep dip buy strategy that you were talking about earlier on. That's available at Udemy. There's a good plug right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at look at is that your 200 day moving average there? Uh, yeah, this uh, green line, dark green line here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, large financial institutions come in to buy. I mean, go over there to that first dip. You know, we had a reject uh, over here. Yeah, 
Yeah, we had yeah. a close under the 200. We had a close back over the 200. Mm-hmm. Buyers came in there like they very often do. If you bought there and you were wrong, you could be wrong small. But I mean, look at the move you had. Oh, yeah. There. 17% in yeah. basically two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you you had, you would have got chopped up a little bit in the middle there, just keying off of the 200. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, there's certain things you want to look for, I think, that made make it more probable than not to have to have a good trade. But yeah, I, I mean, actually, yeah, I traded both of those. I mean, whenever I get a stock like Facebook or Apple or Amazon or the spies or the queues, whenever they start getting down to the 200 day moving average or the 250 day moving average or the 30 RSI, they have built in buyers. They are going to come in. And, you know, it's all about risk to reward and buying where, you know, other buyers are going to be. Now, conversely, there's buyers at the 30 RSI. There's buyers at the 200 day moving average. You don't have ATR channels on here, but no, not on here right right now. We're, you know, we're in the, we're in the high sixties as far as RSI levels. And we're near the third ATR channel, uh, ATR channels. And so, you know, just like the, those bottoms down there with the 200 and the 30, you know, buyers are going to come in where we're at right here. Very likely sellers are going to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, on the ATR, that's the one thing that I have not figured out how to get it to be like a Bollinger Band type situation. Um, it just shows Keltner, at the bottom. Keltner, your, your, uh, try Keltner channels. Let me find that real quick. There you go. And that's the same as as the ATR. Very very similar. Okay, so let's change that to fourteen. Oh, and ATR then, length right there. Okay. Ten. Um, two. I use a twenty. On length. Yeah. Okay. So just like that. Uh, ATR length multiplier. I'd probably put twenty again. I'm not familiar with that that okay. charting there, but you know, I put a multiplier of one. Okay. Oh, so for one ATR. Yeah, that will give you the bands oh, above and, and below. Then, and then you and want then to go if I in did a and two. A, yeah, let's try it. Ah, okay. Let's see let's see what that looks like. Okay. Yeah, so, so there's, there there's your now do it again. But that that's not around the current price though. Yeah, that's because around. it's because that's only showing the the one ATR above and the one ATR below, which I consider the value zone. Put do it again, okay. do a two do a two ATR. That's only one ATR. So now we'll do a two ATR. Put the 20 and the 20 and the two. Yep. There's your next range. Oh, and look now, at that. Now yeah. it's starting to look like your charts. Yeah. Now put the now do it again with the third. Ah, okay. And the third's the key one, Chris, because the third is where uh, put the 20 ATR length. Oh, yeah. I have to change the color because it's going to be the same as the one or real close to it. Do orange. Oh yeah, See, look at that. You're right at the third ATR channel, and the third ATR channel, ninety-two percent of prices fail there, Chris. Where? But what's the zero point here? Like the zero, in the middle. Of the zero the... point is the middle. It's the mean. It's essentially the twenty-day moving average. Oh, it's the 20-day moving average. Okay. Yeah. That, so that's, that's what I was wondering. Okay. It's three standard deviations. You know, the first the first Keltner channel is one standard deviation away from the mean. The second is two. And the third 
is three standard deviations. And, you know, I like to buy in the value zone. I like to buy at the mean and I like to sell when it gets stretched. It's like a rubber band. If you pull the rubber band, it gets a little tight at the one ATR channel. You pull it harder at the, the second ATR channel, it pulls even tighter. But when you get to the third ATR channel, it's really pulling and wanting to bring you back down to mean reversion. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, look at Facebook. You're looking at a 70 RSI, which mm -hmm. historically about 90% of prices fail there. And you're at a third ATR channel. So the rubber band is pulled very, very tight. So that's about 92% of the time. So statistically, you have a confluence of indicators that tell, are telling you you are very, very overbought. And at the very least, maybe you might just go sideways but or sideways or down but the chances of it going up from here it could happen but they're very low look at that i'm learning greg i know <laughs> you talk about this on your podcast but it's only until i do it with my own hands do i really like, i know grasp it yeah what's that right there so this is ups so i was telling you i got in this a couple of days ago at 173 and it's up to 176 right now but it's you know it's got your classic over overbought in the the three atr and a 71 rsi yeah you've 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 got the confluence look at the look at the spy well this was fun i'm glad i had charts to pull up today <laughs> there's your i mean look if, yeah. I, if I in in my deep dip by course if it was completely opposite i would be looking to buy look at the confluence if it was at a 30 rsi and at the negative third atr channel and at the negative uh, and at the 200 day moving average, I would be like, this is a great risk to reward ratio uh, to be able to go up. But now it's completely opposite. You're at the third ATR channel, you're at the 70 RSI. I mean, if I was, you know, long anything, I mean, I got rid of, I, I bought, I got that whole move on the spy. I sold it yesterday though. I just wanted to take a little bit off, but yeah, we are, we are, at levels right now that uh, probably more than not, we're at least going to pause or go down. Well, and you know, the market's showing us that in the volume because all the buyers have already come in. And now when all the buyers are already in, that means that they are now going to be sellers at some point. Yeah. You'll, you'll see the volume pick up to the downside with yeah. the down move. Yeah. Oh, Greg, I'm glad we brought this up. Greg, I tell you what, I'm going to have to start tuning into your your show more. It's been a while since I tuned in, but, um, you know, now that I work from home and I, I tell you what, I love working from home. It is so wonderful, making my life so much easier with the boys here and taking Good them to school you. and picking them up. Oh, I love it. So, yeah, um, I'm going to have to start tuning in more. Come Maybe the only way I can talk to Steve if I questions. can. Yeah, say hello to Steve. You know, I mean, we have a great group. We have, we have, we have some really good traders in that in that group from all over the world. Um, uh, it's 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 a really it's a really good group of traders. Like I'm I'm feel very fortunate that we have it. Yeah, and you do that just so we can get a good strong plug in there. You do that <laughs> every day. Um, at the last hour of the close or before the close, right? The whole hour? Monday through Friday during the last hour of the market. Yes. We and go then, live. Yeah. And your course is called the Deep Dip Buy Stock Trading, trading Strategy. Yep. Mm -hmm. On Udemy. On Udemy. Greg, what else can we talk about here? I just love having you on the line, man. 
It's first <laughs> off, you're a great person to talk to. And I, I consider you a friend of mine. So it's great to chat with you again. I feel the same way. Um, but you know, what's, what else is on your mind? I mean, this was great. I'm glad we talked about this. I would just, you know, I would, I would say to traders out there, be aware of certain levels, be aware of the levels that we're at right now, be aware that people are pretty euphoric, be aware that the headlines are all positive. It all seems great. But if you look back in time, whenever all those things are in place, you can look back in time and almost always you're at least near a short term top. And uh, I think I think we're there. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll stick with my positions as long as they move up. Uh, but as as soon as I get a close blow previous day's low, I'm out of there, buddy. Yeah, I can see that right now. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time. Really thank is you, Chris, great to catch up with you. Thanks for all the great thanks for all the great videos you put out. All the great guests you have. I see them on Facebook and Twitter. And I mean, I just think you're doing a fantastic job, my friend. And oh, you know, thanks. Kudos, kudos to you for all the hard work and the consistency and, and, uh, all your great guests. Oh man. Uh, it, it's really cool how the podcast does open doors like that. Cause you know, I've talked to other people in the past and it's like, if I call Greg and I'm like, Hey Greg, you want to shoot the shit for an hour? He'd be like, no, I am a busy, important man. I can't just sit around and chat with you for an hour, Chris. But when you have a podcast, people are like, yeah, let's talk shop. So that's really cool. And like the episode that's airing today has Tobias Carlisle. And um, he has a, a podcast called The Acquirers Podcast. And he's written several books. And so he manages a fund, kind of like uh, Kathy Wood or Jim. Uh, with, how do you say his name? Osasa Henny. Um, you know, those people who who manage a fund. And I had no idea what that even entails or what goes into that. And so we, we deep dove into the inner workings and, and all that. And so that was really cool. I, I learned a ton from talking to him on there and I hope the, the audience did too. It's just, it's so cool, you know, to be able to uh, gather with friends around shared interests like this, you know, it's, I agree. It's must, be, must be cool for you to be able to talk to such a variety of people and experts in, in different fields of, of trading. It's, I think it's great. Well, I think it's great that you make the dedication to put on a show every day that I can't do. I've tried it, but it, I, I mean, like you obviously have your day built to where this fits in it. And yeah. I couldn't do that. Uh, I've tried and it's just not the right timing for me to do a live show yet, but at some point, maybe in the future, yeah, I'll tell you what, point, I'm going to be joining you a lot more. Come on in, ask questions. I mean, Steve's there. I we have you know we we have great traders from all over, um, and you know we just try to narrow down what the best trade of the day is going to be. Yeah, and, and do you still do your uh, buying at the close every day on the spy? Do you still do I, that? Uh, yes, for my end of day trades. Yes. Yeah, is that still going well? Because I know that like that's back tested to do well, but is it still doing well? Well, it's just, it's just a, a policy that I have for my swing trades that I wait until the end of the day, because I think the, I think the prices at the, the end of the day are the most valid and it's oh, because, yeah. of, because of large financial institutions take control in that last hour. So, um, if I feel like they're the most valid price, then, then I should use those prices to make my buying and selling decisions. I mean, of course I day trade during the day, but that's different, right. but yes, I mean, I make my end of day decisions in that last hour, 
I trade weekly bars. I, 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 you know, uh, the last, the last day of the week is Friday. So, you know, I entered a, I entered a weekly trade on silver today. Um, I, I also trade the monthly bars whenever it's the, whenever it's a Friday, I look for a weekly setup. Whenever it's the last day of the month, I look for a monthly setup. So, hmm, um, sense. I like to trade all sorts of different time frames. Cool. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. I thank learned you for having lot. me on. Oh man, this is so great. You know, um, the behind the scenes on this, Greg and I really fought through some technical issues for about 15 minutes before we got this settled. So I'm glad it, we, we were able to make it work today. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, you know, to look at my charts too. Um, you, uh, you're a great man and I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a nice weekend. Keep up all the good work with the podcast. I'm proud of you and uh, glad to see it's growing. Hey, you do the same. We'll talk soon. I'll see you on okay. your podcast. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Greg. Bye-bye now. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.